All right, today I'm continuing in our wisdom series about wise and foolish living. My topic today is is wisdom and decisions. And this is a a pretty foundational, very broad topic. I'm just going to be able to to scratch the surface today. But we have more sermons coming in this. We're going to talk specifically about like parenting and anger and money. And so decisions permeate everything right? And, and how to bring wisdom into that certainly is essential, um, but we'll be able to unpack that more and more as we continue in the series as well. You know, sort of anecdotal here, I was doing some research. I wasn't. I don't know if you can call it Googling research, but <laughs> other people have done some legit research, and it's estimated that the average adult makes about 35,000 decisions a day. Um, and that's anything from nearly subconscious all the way to, you know, some big life-altering decisions about anything and everything. And so we've got this constant barrage of choices, especially today in our culture and in, in your lives. And, and the ability to move in step with the Spirit and make wise decisions is, is paramount. It, it is critical to living the way Jesus invites us and calls us to live. And so I I hope you can take this seriously, and we're going to explore some scripture, but this is a big deal, and and we need to think individually and collectively about how to be good decision makers. So, wisdom and decisions. I feel like, for me, it's good. I want to kind of define wisdom a little bit and use the the scriptural backdrop to to do that first. And then we'll try to move that into decision making. But the Bible offers um, really three books that are traditionally considered the wisdom books. That's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. Some scholars will bring Song of Songs in there. Uh, if you read Psalm 119, that, that famous chapter in the Bible about the Bible, you could really call the whole thing wisdom literature. And you can look at our entirety of Scripture through the lens of how can I be wise? How can I live the, the good life? But these three books are very important and really work together to give us a, a framework of what wisdom is. And so I want to, in very general terms, summarize those for us real quick. You know, if we start with Proverbs, um, you know, it's fear God. It's trust in Him with all your heart, and He will make your paths straight. Basically, if you live wisely, you'll be blessed, you'll have a long life, you'll be happy, you'll be healthy. If you live foolishly, you love death, and you'll get what you deserve. And that's the the framework that Proverbs sets up. It's, its wisdom is discerning the order built into creation by God. Before the world was made, wisdom was there with God, working in creation. And I think you can agree, generally we, we see this at work in the world. You can live, we can test this out. It, it is true, often. Like bad decisions lead to consequences and pain and suffering Good decisions, wise living, often come with blessing. We can see that. It's repeatable. We've got human history to to acknowledge that. So, Ecclesiastes, 
comes in, and you get this picture from a, a wise teacher, and he basically says, hold on. I see righteous people struck by tragedy, righteous people impoverished, unjustly punished, and, and I'll also see foolish, evil people taking advantage of people, cheating people, getting away with murder, living a blessed life. And he asks, what, what is up? The, the conclusion of Ecclesiastes, it still comes to the same conclusion as Proverbs. It says, fear God and keep his commands. But he calls attention to this sort of glitch in the system. There is a right and just framework, but sin and death is still at play. So we learn to hold on to things with a loose grip. Job kind of ramps this up even further. If you remember the the book of Job, it, it starts with this picture of God in his throne room with other spiritual beings, and he calls attention to Job. He says, look how righteous my servant Job is. The accuser is there, and he says, he's only righteous because you bless him. Take that away, take that blessing away, and he'll curse you. And so God says, okay, go take it away, and we'll see. And, you know, 40-plus chapters, Job goes on quite uh, like an emotional roller coaster. He starts in just the most amazing way. He says, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But he does... He, he ebbs and flows, he wanes, he starts to lose it a bit. And in the end, he demands God, come down and answer him. Why has all this tragedy struck me? Why is my family dead? Why have I lost everything? I've been serving, like, what is up? He throws his hands up, he begs God for an answer. And God does show up. He speaks to Job. The answer is puzzling, for sure, um, he doesn't tell Job about the accuser or about, you know, God essentially letting this happen to Job for some apparent reason. He, he ends up giving Job a tour of creation, kind of a survey of the cosmos. Look at this, look at that. He asks, where were you when I created all this? He zooms in on some of his, his giants, the, like the Leviathan, and, and yeah, just asks, what can you do to contain this guy? Where were you? And so, the important part, like Job has this encounter with God, and it changes him. And his response in Job 42.5, he says, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent. He had heard of God. You know, he had, you know, lived in purpose and intent to to follow God in his ways, but apparently this encounter with God was life-changing, altering to to the fullest extent. And I want to say that's a a crutch of of wisdom itself and wisdom literature. And so from Job, we also learned some things. We learned that some wisdom apparently can only be learned through suffering. We learned that crying out to God can bring understanding, but that also some wisdom will always be beyond us. It demands that we trust God and lean not on our own understanding. And most importantly, we learned that wisdom is found in relationship with God and his encounter with God. And so these three books, they give us a complete but kind of complex picture of wisdom, and that's a very 
general summary. I encourage you to read all of them often. Um, But there is a right way that's built in the fabric of creation. Justice does prevail often, and, and people that live wisely are often blessed. There is sin and death still at play. And so we have to hold on to some of these things loosely and be ready for anything, but in all of it, we should be seeking God in an encounter with Him, and it's only through that relationship that we have any hope to sort it all out, any hope to make meaningful and good decisions. Wisdom is knowing God through relationship with Him. I want to take one more step here in kind of an introductory fashion. Um, Let's look at Proverbs 8 together, starting in verse 22. Oh yeah, I gave this one to Susan. So this, we can read through it, you can look at it on the screen. We're going to go 22 through 31. This is some profound stuff here. This goes to the very root of even like the Nicene Council and things in early Christianity that turned into the creeds we hold on to today. The very fabric of kind of who Jesus is. And so, in Proverbs 8, you get the personified wisdom speaking, crying out. You know, throughout Proverbs, wisdom is personified as this lady wisdom. Uh, And she, after calling out to men to come find her, to find wisdom, to be blessed in it, she's still speaking here in 8.22. Let's read it together. It says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up, at the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the foundations of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit, so that the waters might not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the earth, there I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man." This passage is subject to to centuries of of theological study and intrigue and debate, but essentially um, we see wisdom personified creating the world with God. And the New Testament writers plug Jesus into this spot. You can read places like Colossians 1 when Paul says Jesus is the image of the invisible God. By him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You know, John does this, also bringing the word that spoke creation into existence, into the same thing. And he says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All of this is very cool, and I hope to pique your interest just a bit in some of the deep things we find in Scripture. But essentially, what I'm trying to tell you is a pretty Sunday school answer. Jesus is wisdom. And if you want to bring wisdom into decisions, you need to bring Jesus into your decisions. And He is the root of of all of this that has built the fabric of the very cosmos and creation. 
And when you can see and point to wisdom and good things and blessings, you are pointing to his activity and the foundation that he has set up. This is important because we can often seek wisdom without God. And it is true that evil, you know, just ungodly people can find principles of wisdom and live by them and even find blessing in that. But for us, that is not the point. Wisdom is Jesus. He is wisdom. And so the, the, the question is, is how in this do we make wise decisions? And so I want to focus on Proverbs 3 for a little bit. We'll leave these verses up. Starting in verse 5, I'm going to read 5 through 8. These are pretty, I think, popular verses from Proverbs. You've probably heard these. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be the healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So, I want to say, don't be wise in your own eyes. There's another couple verses you can write down or or I want to draw your attention to. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. This is a very scary reality of our, I don't know, fragility, our, our humanness. Proverbs 16, 2 also says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. To put it simply, we can't be trusted on our own. Our own flesh, our heart, our conscience, whatever you call it, the decision maker within us is broken apart from God. And not only that, it is so easily deceived. There is a way that seems right to us. All the ways are pure in our own eyes. Like we can think we are doing the right thing and be heading straight for death. This is, we need to sit here for a minute because it makes important, you know, the, the critical nature of bringing Jesus into our decision-making process. It is easy to think you are wise. And, and the, the Proverbs calls you a fool and says you're only wise in your own eyes. We need to trust in the Lord and lean not on our own understanding. You know, I, I mentioned it a minute ago. One of the reasons this is so hard is because... Um, God has set up some basic principles in the world, and and he does let his rain fall on the good and evil. He lets the crops grow for for everyone. Like there's a a sense of you can go find blessing without God, and and that is the the struggle. That's, That's everything. That's the materialism, the consumerism. People can find a good life without him. And so we gotta struggle through that and ensure we are finding the life that Jesus wants for us. You know, it's interesting, the, uh, 
at least I could be wrong. I think the first comment in the Bible that describes someone as wise is actually Genesis 3. And it's describing the serpent, the deceiver. Our translations turn it to crafty, because certainly there's negative connotations here. He's using wisdom in a deceitful way. But that same word is used eight times in the Proverbs to describe the good wise man, often just translated there as um, prudent or sensible. Like there is wisdom that you can pull right out of what God has created. And it can be used, these principles, I should say, can be used in, in all the wrong ways. And so we're moving beyond just wisdom principles and we're finding Jesus to guide us. So don't be wise in your own eyes. I think it's easy to look back and recognize this in our lives. I certainly can. I can look back at decisions and I was like, man, I felt good about that. And it's like, but that was not it. That was, that was wrong. Um, I remember a thing early on. Um, Amy will probably like this. I had I think I, I was just doing a one-on-one or, or something early before work. The kids were pretty young, but I think they were off of school. And I just had in my mind, like, yeah, I'm, I'm making a good decision. I'm going to get there early. I'm going to be ready for this, whatever. And I just sort of pieced out and just sort of took off. People were sleeping. And Amy's like, where are you at? Like, what? A, you left me with the kids. Like, what about breakfast? What about all this stuff? And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that, my decisions affect other people. I thought... <laughs> Why do we have to learn that over and over? Your decisions affect people. Do you realize this? And so it's like, man, I was, no, I was doing the right thing. I was, it was going to be a great one. I don't know who it was with. I don't know how good the conversation went. But I know I abandoned my family for a morning. <laughs> and so you can, you can go about this in all sorts of crazy, wonky ways. But, yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty. The The important thing is we need the spirit to direct our each and every decision to like understand what actually is best and it's not always that plain and simple so lean not on your own understanding trust in the lord you know um another point that i think is easy to make but can't go without being said you've got to do the spiritual disciplines. You have to pray through your decisions. You have to bring them to God. You have to meditate on the Word of God day and night. There is, you know, power. His Word is living and active, and by doing this, you will find Jesus, and you will find wisdom that goes beyond simple principles into an active person that can help you decide what to do. You know, we've been preaching through this just a few weeks now. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have, have read Proverbs since we've started all this? Like, Kale? That's what's up, man. Look at that self-righteous hand going, no, I'm just kidding. I love you, Kale. I raised my, I read it too. Anyone else? No. Um, like, a little sermon like this can do just so much. You've got to internalize these things. You've got to build relationship and habits with the Creator. Let's talk a a few minutes about some some practical steps. So decision-making with wisdom. 
You know, that stat I threw out at the beginning, the, the so many decisions we have to make. I would say that we have too many choices, and you need to, in some ways, limit yourself. You need to simplify your life. You need to focus on what's important. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6. This is the, the don't worry passage, right? He says, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or wear. The pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Everything else will work itself out. Like There is wisdom in that. That is Jesus. We do it so backwards all the time. Sometimes we can give so much time and so much thought and energy to the wrong things. Like, I know lunch after church is a big deal. But does it matter where you go? Really? Okay, okay, maybe it does. People are like, yes. People are, I did. that's not how I expected you to respond. We, uh, I need a new point here. It doesn't matter where you eat lunch. It matters who you eat lunch with. Uh, that's, a, that's an easy example, stereotypical, you know. We spend way more time deciding where to eat, what to eat, than it'll actually even take to eat it. But... Simplify your life. Focus on the important things and give that your attention. Trust God to to work out the other stuff. Another practical point, you have to get advice early and often. Jesus points us to one another. He, He tells us to seek each other out. He tells us how. He says, by their fruit you'll recognize Him. He says, uh, consider the outcome of the way of their life. Imitate their faith. Talking about Christian leaders. And he points us in community to each other. We do so much decision making on our own. I am baffled. Whether it's in small group or whatever, and, and someone just comes up and is like, I bought a house. I'm like, okay. or I got a new car, or, you know, I quit my job. You know, Friday, my boss, he's like, I let him have it. And it's just like, did any. Is this the first you're talking to? Like, too often, yes. Like, these life-altering decisions should be made in a, a group setting. At least, a, a, you know, a one or two, like, mentors or advisors. It is, back to that point, like, the way seems right to us. We can do very purposeful, well-intended research. We can feel right about every financial decision, every outcome of what may happen, and and miss the point. Bring your decision-making to the light. Bring it to other people and get advice. Talk through things. Um, You know, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Like, Jesus will meet you there. You know, students, if, if I could speak to you for a minute, I, it's, it's kind of tragic the way we are forced into so many huge decisions so young these days. Um, but it, you are making decisions that feel like small things now, but you think about a rudder on a ship, it may feel small now. 10, 20 years down the line, you're going to end up in just worlds apart, like you know, where to go to school, where to go to church. Are you going to follow God? Who to marry? Who to live with? Like, we just, over and over, every semester, we're making all these. These are massive. And it will impact your everything in the future. And so, do that with advisors. 
Do that with mentors. Invite people in. Invite Jesus in to that decision-making process. There's a, a couple verses that just sort of complicates this that I like to show people. Uh, in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, if you want to look at that, on your, I don't think I gave you this one, Susan, that's my bad. But this, so Proverbs doesn't run away from the complexity. And this is just another reason why we need the Spirit's guidance, why we need advice. But just look at these two verses back to back. Proverbs 26, verse 4. It says, Don't answer a fool according to his folly or you yourself will be just like him. We get that? Yeah, a fool can bring you into stupid arguments, and in the end, it's, it's just way worse. Just don't answer a fool according to his folly. That is wise. The very next verse. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. This is back-to-back. This isn't an accident. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. That's dumb. Actually, answer a fool according to his folly, or he's just going to keep being dumb. Intervene. Like these, wisdom is complex. There is tension in it. There can be a decision that is right in this moment, and that same decision can be very wrong in another moment. You can't do this on your own. Like you don't have what it takes. We, we are made to need the Spirit's guidance, to need each other, Wisdom is hard. Decision-making can be hard. There isn't a rule book or a step-by-step to, to clean this for you. You have to invite Jesus into this. He is wisdom. And so we see that it takes much more than just knowing what to do. You have to know what God wants you to do in the moment. And you need a tight relationship with them to to make that happen. I'm going to wrap up here. You know, in closing, I want you to remember that in Proverbs, wisdom's called Lady Wisdom. Like, she cries out over and over. Um, She's described as on the heights, beside the way, at the crossroads. She takes her stand beside the gates, in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals. She cries aloud. She begs for you to pay attention. Jesus initiates with us. And James, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. Ask for wisdom each and every single day. Jesus just put it like this, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Wisdom is crying out. Jesus is begging for you to come to him. There is a way to live a life and and find blessing in Christ. Go to him. Don't forget he's crying out to you. Kylie, praise team, y'all come up here. We'll, We'll do one more song to wrap. But um, as they're coming up, I want to pray a blessing over you. God, you are truly great. And we can't thank you enough for that fact, what you've done for us. And I just ask for you to, to, to make us wise. Jesus, be the, the center of our everything. 
um, remind us that that you are wisdom and that you are at the center. And if we find you, we're going to find life. In Jesus' name, amen.